Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's this moment, okay, what comes out You feel the dream, can't you see, getting closer. Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over. It's Hey, Liquid Church, how y'all doing today? Want to welcome you if you're new. And uh, if you're watching online or at one of the campuses, welcome. We're so excited you guys are here with us. As we are wrapping up our series at the movies, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're wrapping up the series with actually one of my favorite movies, and that is Avengers of Infinity War. Any fans out there? All right, a couple of you guys are out there, right? Now, before we kind of jump into this one, I want to give you a sneak peek of what we have coming up next. We have a series next week that Pastor Tim's kicking off. It's called Anxious for Nothing. It's the fall. School is starting. Uh, stress and anxiety sometimes go hand in hand with that. So we're going to tackle some of those issues and learn how can we take God's prescriptions of peace in the kind of the craziness of kind of what's happening with the fall and stuff. So that's going to be next week. Make sure you're here for that. Invite a friend. But today, we are going to wrap up a series by looking at Avengers Infinity War, which again, like I said, love this movie. Really excited about this message. This movie actually made over $200 billion worldwide. Isn't that incredible? You want to know why? Because everyone has seen this movie, right? In fact, let me actually just do a quick show of hands. How many of you have seen this movie? Even at our campuses, go ahead and put your hand up. Take a look around. You'll see quite a few people have seen it. Um, young and old, all types of people. It's a great movie. It's actually the culmination of the past 10 years of Marvel comic movies, starting with Iron Man in 2008 to Infinity War in 2018. And actually, Avengers Infinity War is the third Avengers movie. This is like part of the third one. Actually, Infinity War, it's Infinity War Part 1. Part 2 comes out in May in 2019. So there's more Infinity War coming. And one of the things that's really kind of interesting about this movie, it's got all the different Marvel characters from all the different movies that are coming together to fight evil. And I got to tell you, this movie's been out since the middle of August. It's on Blu-ray. It's on DVD. It's streaming in all your devices. So if you haven't seen it by now, I'm just going to assume you're probably not going to see it. And I'm saying that because there will be spoilers, okay? So this movie will be spoiled for you if you haven't seen it yet. But I want to give you a taster and a flavor of kind of what this movie's about, kind of how it flows together by showing you the trailer of Avengers Infinity War. Check this out. He only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the infinity stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. 
we have what Thanos wants. So that's what we use. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. using your made-up names, then I am Spider-Man. Man, wasn't that trailer great? I love that. I get goosebumps every time I watch it. Uh, you know, I love this movie. I love the special effects. I love all the characters, the writing, the production. It's a phenomenal movie. And like I said, it is the culmination of the past 10 years of Marvel movies. And so there are a lot of characters that all come into this movie. I just want to kind of go through a couple of them real quick. You have the original Avengers with Tony Stark, who is Iron Man, played by Robert Downey Jr. Then you have Thor, who can control lightning and thunder, who's awesome that way. Then Captain America, who's the real American hero. And then you got some new Avengers who also have their own movies, like Black Panther. Any Black Panther fans out there? All right. Wakanda forever, right? Awesome. And then, of course, there's Spider-Man. Any Spider-Man fans? Okay, someone over there is a really big Spider-Man fan. When I was a kid, Spider-Man was one of my favorites. He shot, like, web, and he was able to climb up uh, buildings. One of my favorites. And then, of course, you've got Doctor Strange who's just strange. I don't know what else to really say about him. He's awesome. But then you also have the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And so they're all coming together. You literally have the universe's greatest heroes assembling for this movie. Now, for some of you, I know that you are big Marvel fans. For some of you, I know that you're not so much. And you're like, dude, this is like so confusing. There's all these different characters and there's all these plots and subplots. How does this all fit together? In fact, I know some of you are probably thinking this. You're thinking, dude, Movies at church? Like, I don't know about that. But then, like, comic books at church? Like, how is that not, like, these are all just kids' movies, right? Like, there's nothing really of substance here. Like, it's, it's just escapism. Like, people who can't deal with reality, so they run to these stories. Well, I get that if that's kind of where you're coming from. But one of the things I look at is I look at the way Jesus would teach. Jesus would take these situations and circumstances and just everyday things and use that to leverage spiritual truth called parables. He would teach in these parables so that people could understand the things of God and the things of the kingdom of God through everyday, ordinary things. So I really think we could take something everyday, ordinary, like a movie, and actually learn something about God, something, a spiritual principle that he wants to teach us. And I think we see a few of them in a movie like Avengers Infinity War. Did you guys know that a large group of people that actually went out to see this movie were actually Christians? 
In fact, it was such a big deal, uh, not just Infinity War, but all the, the other Avengers movies, that the Washington Post came out with an article about this called Surprised by Hope, Why Christians Flocked to an Atheist's Film. Uh, Joss Whedon, who is the writer and the director of the first two Avengers movies, he actually helped set up Infinity War, is an atheist. But when you look at all three of these movies, you find all these biblical metaphors and images and pictures. And so someone asked him, you know, do you realize that you have all these biblical images in your movies? He goes, absolutely. They're there intentionally. And the reason is that hope is what moves a movie forward. If you look at any of the Marvel movies, it's all about hope. That's kind of like this theme that kind of runs through all of it. No matter how bad things get, how difficult things get, there is hope that things are going to get better, that there will be a solution. You see, as human beings, we are hardwired for hope. We're hardwired to search for hope in some of those difficult of situations and circumstances. In fact, the Bible says this, is that hope deferred makes the heart sick. What that means is that we live in a broken world that breaks our hearts, that can be heart-sickening at times. And so we're looking at, there's got to be more to this than what we have. There's got to be a solution to the brokenness and the pain and the dysfunction all around us. In fact, that's why we're drawn to stories and songs and music and poetry and movies about hope. Because something about it just kind of connects with our human spirit because it's the way God has designed us. Hope says that there's a solution to the brokenness and the problems around us. So for the Avengers, where are they looking for hope? What's the problem that they're hoping for a solution for? Well, that problem is actually Thanos. Thanos is actually a character, one of the biggest bad guys in the entire Marvel universe. They've been hinting at him in all the movies over the past 10 years, and he finally shows up in this movie, and he's got one goal. That goal, if you saw the trailer, was this, to destroy half of humanity in one, one, one fell swoop. And the way he can do that is by capturing what are called the infinity stones. And these stones, if you have all six of them, you have all power to destroy the universe. In fact, I want to let this clip explain to you a little bit about the nature of the infinity stones. Check this out. At the dawn of the universe, there was nothing. Then, boom. Big banks and six elemental crystals hurtling across the virgin universe. These infinity stones each control an essential aspect of existence. Space. Reality. Power. Soul. Mind. And time. Tell me his name again. Thanos. See, if Thanos can get all the infinity stones, all he needs to do is snap his fingers and half the universe is wiped out. In fact, he has a specially made glove called the Infinity Gauntlet that he can actually hold all the stones in and actually harness their power through that. See, for Thanos, he sees death as actually a gateway to bring about the salvation of others. Thanos, it's interesting, the name Thanos actually comes from the Greek word Thanatos. Thanatos, which throughout the New Testament actually means death. And so Thanos, throughout this movie, is actually a symbol of death, about the reign and the power of death. In fact, the scriptures teach us that in the Bible, we live in a state in this world, in this universe, where death reigns supreme. Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament, puts it this way. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, 
and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. Guys, the first chapter in the story of the Bible is this, is that God created humanity and he gave us a choice. We could either choose to define good and evil based on how God defined it, or we could choose to define good and evil on our own terms. And when he said to be fruitful and multiply, we decided to choose good and evil on our own terms. And what that did was it released chaos and pain and envy and greed and lust. And eventually it led, it brought death into our world. So now wherever we go, we are touched by death. We're tainted by death. Sin is soaking our reality and death has stained it. That's the reality that we live in that the Bible teaches. In fact, the Bible shows us there's actually three types of death that we could experience. The first one we all experience and that is physical death. All of us know that one time or another, we will eventually die. Our bodies grow old, we eventually give out, and we die. We pass away. The scripture also teaches us that we'll experience what's called spiritual death. What spiritual death means is because our humanity chose sin instead of God early on, that we're born into the state of sin which essentially means that we have this inclination deep, deep inside our own hearts to choose the things that are anti-God, anti-life, or, or anti-anything that's good. We, we have this inclination to, to kind of protect and serve ourselves or our tribe with the expense of others. That's part of this, this sense of death that we experience. And if this sense of spiritual death continues, we'll experience what's called eternal death. See, if spiritual death talks about there's a rift between us and creator, eternal death says that one day we'll actually be eternally destroyed because of the corruption that sin has on our souls and our spirits. Eventually, we'll be separated from all that is good and beautiful and true in this world, be separated from God. So the scripture outlines these three types of death. And guys, you need to know that death was never part of God's created order. It wasn't how he designed the universe. But for Thanos, death is salvation. It's this twisted salvation that will lead uh, the world to what he calls just a better, more balanced place. Death brings balance. In fact, he explains this to one of the heroes in the story who's actually his stepdaughter, and that's Gamora. Check this scene out. I saved you. No. We were happy on my home planet. Going to bed hungry, scrounging for scraps. Your planet was on the brink of collapse. I'm the one who stopped that. Do you know what's happened since then? The children born have known nothing but full bellies and clear skies. It's a paradise. Because you murdered half the planet. A small price to pay for salvation. You're insane. Little one, it's a simple calculus. This universe is finite, its resources finite. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correction. You don't know that! I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. I'm the only one with the will to act on it. See, for Thanos, the way you solve poverty and overpopulation is through genocide. And you see, Thanos has kind of set himself up as this false god who can choose who lives and who dies over the entire universe. 
You see, for Thanos, death brings balance. But you know, the scripture has a different reality about death. Death actually is in balance. Death is actually coercive and invasive. It was never part of God's original design. In fact, it's this affirmation and reaffirmation every time we see or sense death that something is wrong in the universe. Something just doesn't right. It doesn't quite fit. It's not quite right. What is wrong with the place that we live in? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that there's something just not quite right with the universe? Things are just not the way they're supposed to be. We have these moments where we feel it and we sense it and we know deep down in our bones something is off. In fact, on our way back from vacation, our family felt that. We uh, stopped at a rest stop, you know, get some food and use the bathrooms. And then I saw this on the television screen. There's another mass shooting down in Jacksonville. Three people dead, including the shooter. This is, we have at this point over 230 mass shootings in the United States at this point. If nothing is just a reminder of the physicality of death, I don't know what else is. The physical death comes for us all, sometimes sooner than others. Or how about spiritual death, where we literally have this inclination to maybe bury our heads and kind of ignore the suffering of those around us and pretend it's not our problem. You know, we can see these examples like halfway across the world. The media has been covering what's been going on in Myanmar with the Rohingya Muslims. This group of people that are being systematically oppressed and actually killed off, going through a genocide right now. And the rest of the world has done nothing. We don't really hear much about it. Or how about in our own country, right? You look at racial injustice and systemic racism and unrest that's taking place all around, but so often we just want to pretend it's not a problem and look away and not deal with it. Or how about our own sinfulness in our own hearts, our own inclinations for things like jealousy and envy, right? You ever have this happen to you? You're on Facebook and you see like one of your good friends, they're having a party, but you're not there. It creates some FOMO in you. Then all of a sudden, your good friend who like five seconds before was a good friend, you see this image and you're like, I hate them. Like, how dare they not invite me to their party? And you unfriend them and you unfollow them and you send them passive aggressive text messages, right? You're like, where, where does this come from? It comes from this sinful inclination because we're spiritually dead. And there's a part of us that we're always at war with. And if we don't get dealt with that eventually, after physical death, we experience judgment. And at that point, our perfection will be measured against God's. And if we're found lacking, we'll experience demise and destruction, eternal death. You see, death, in many ways, it's inevitable. It's unquenchable. It's unstoppable. All of us will experience some type of death in our life. See, the scripture even says that the wages of sin, some of you know this, is what? It's death. We can't stop it. But we can't stop it. But is there a way to stop death? Physical death, spiritual death, or eternal death? See, for the Avengers, Thanos, just like death, seems unstoppable. Like a dozen of them are trying to fight him, trying to get victory, but they can't seem to beat him. But there's a way to defeat Thanos, which is the same way that we can defeat actual death or experience victory over death. And that is sacrifice. It's sacrifice. The Avengers are all confronted throughout this movie with some sort of sacrifice that they need to make. And as you watch this movie, you see them wrestle with those different sacrifices. And probably one of the hardest ones to watch was the sacrifice that Vision and Wanda had to wrestle with. Vision is one of the heroes, one of the Avengers, and he actually has one of the Infinity Stones that actually powers him. And it's actually the last Infinity Stone that Thanos needs in order to fulfill his maniac plan. 
And so he knows that the stone has to get destroyed. The only person on the Avengers that's strong enough to destroy it is Wanda. She has this power which she can destroy it. And he's wrestling with whether or not they should just have him destroy the stone. But Wanda's reluctant because she loves vision. They love one another. They found each other. And so they're with the Avengers and they're wrestling with what do they do? Do they hide vision, protect him? Or do they do something else? Check this out. Well, then we have to protect it. No, we have to destroy it. I've been giving a good deal of thought to this entity in my head about its nature, but also its composition. I think if it were exposed to a sufficiently powerful energy source, something very similar to its own signature, perhaps, its molecular integrity could fail. And you with it. We're not having this conversation. Eliminating the stone is the only way to be certain that Thanos can't get it. That's too high a price. Only you have the power to pay it. Thanos threatens half the universe. One life cannot stand in the way of defeating him. But it should. One life can't stand in the way of defeating Thanos. Vision is willing to literally lay down his life so that the rest of the universe can live and can thrive. This is such a beautiful picture of sacrifice, but it's not just an idea that comes from the Avengers. It actually is a biblical idea, sacrifice. If we know that the wages of sin is death, that means that sin means something needs to die. If we sin or we experience sin or, or we think a sinful thought, something has to die as a result of that sin. And God knew that. That's why in the Old Testament, we have an entire sacrificial system that was set up to deal and manage with this issue of sin. So what would happen is men and women who would all sin in one way, shape, or form, they would come to the temple of God in in the Old Testament, the ancient Jews would, and they would bring some sort of animal as a sacrifice. It would be a sheep or a goat or a bull or a bird, whatever it might be, and they would go through this entire ritual where what they do is they take their sins and they transfer those sins on that animal, And then that animal would be bound and sacrificed on the altar as a reminder that sin equals death. I deserve death because of my sin. But instead of me dying, this animal's dying in my place. But the thing is this was temporary because this wasn't going to work long term. And so there was something else that God was doing because this is only a shadow of real redemption because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's just impossible. You see, the people in the Old Testament, they were waiting for an ultimate sacrifice. Really, they were waiting for the ultimate avenger. You see, by the time we get to the New Testament, what we see is there's a new hero on the scene. And this is a hero that doesn't shoot web out of his hands. He doesn't shoot lightning out of his eyes. He doesn't have a cool super suit. Instead, he has sandals. In fact, this hero is Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate avenger. Jesus is the one that comes to our rescue in the issue of sin and the issue of death. In fact, did you guys know this? That in the Old Testament, there is actually a verse that refers to Jesus as an avenger? It's actually in the scriptures. Let me read this for you. It's in Isaiah 63. It's fascinating. It says, For the time has come for me to avenge my people, to ransom them from their oppressors, oppressors like sin and death. 
In fact, I was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So I myself stepped in to what? Save them with my strong arm and my wrath sustained me. See, when the issue of sin and death entered into God's created world, into his good creation, God had a plan of redemption already in place, already moving forward. And that plan would eventually lead to Jesus Christ being sent to our planet in the form of a man to bring salvation to all people. In fact, it says that Jesus shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know what this means? Jesus didn't come to appease death. He came to destroy death. Jesus came to face the forces of darkness, the forces of hell, and the forces of death to his final showdown. And that showdown took place at the cross. And it was at that cross where Jesus' enemies conspired against him, where Jesus' enemies convinced all of his friends to abandon him, all of his friends to betray him, and there Jesus was suffered a death more excruciating than any of us could ever imagine. A shameful death on the cross where he died as a criminal, as a rebel, as a fool. And when his disciples saw that Jesus was dead on the cross, for them it was like hope was dead. At that moment, hope died and was buried with Jesus. And it was, it was the game was over. Everything was done. You know, before I mentioned that we were going to have some spoilers, here's probably the biggest one of all. You see, there's that point in, in the movie with the Avengers where Thanos, he gets all six stones and he snaps his fingers. And then all of a sudden, you see the entire universe melt away into ash. Even the Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes can also be touched by death. Watch this. What did you do? What did you do? Where'd he go? Four. Where'd he go? Steve? Things happening.
Christy Eddie Quill. You know, I remember um, when this scene first came on in the movie theater, like it was literally just dead silent. As people were watching the Avengers kind of melt away and then you started to hear just quiet sobs. That's when my friend turned to me and said, dude, can you stop crying? Like, <laughs> seriously, like you're, you're embarrassing me. This is a movie. But you know, there, there's something just heartbreaking about this, right? Like you followed these heroes for the past 10 years and they didn't just get defeated, they got annihilated, they got wiped out, they're completely gone. And guys, can you imagine how Peter, James, and John felt in that moment when they saw Jesus get dissolved by death? How those early disciples felt when they saw the purest form of humanity nailed to a cross, literally worm food, dead and gone. Because you see, for them, hope was dead and gone. And, and the story was over. But you know, if the story ended there, none of us would be here. Because there was a sequel. The sequel came three days later. Because three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. Amen? Jesus sacrificed himself and defeated the power of death. This is who our God is. He defeated the power of death. He didn't trust in humanity. He trusted in God to rip him out of the grave. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead exists and lives in you. Amen? So that means that death is not the end. Jesus defeated death. We have hope in the face of cancer and any life-threatening disease because Jesus defeated death. Amen? Amen? We have hope from the difficulties and struggles and temptations we face today because Jesus defeated death. We have hope one day. That's right. Amen. This is for our God. This is the gospel. We have hope one day that we will be reunited with lost loved ones because Jesus defeated death. And one day our broken world, our, our, our broken world, our messed up world is going to be restored and renewed because Jesus defeated death. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them Jesus beat death. Jesus beat death. See, we now have hope because we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We've been made holy by his sacrifice. You see, there is no longer any need for sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats and sheep and lambs, there's no need for that anymore. There's no need for penance. There's no need for Hail Marys. There's no need for any way that we can earn God's approval, earn God's favor. All of that has been done away with by the sacrifice of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it is a free gift that all we can do is receive from the Father, not barter with or earn, but just receive. And it's a gift that God wants everyone in this room, everybody watching at our campuses or all online to experience. So I want to get, I want to get a little personal here. Have you embraced that hope for yourself? Have you embraced a hope that is bulletproof, deathproof, and will always be with you no matter what? Because the truth is, we all need a savior even superheroes. In fact, just let's, let's take a look at Chris Pratt for a second. Chris Pratt, who is Star-Lord from the Guardians of the Galaxy. A couple of Chris Pratt fans. 
or Guardians of the Galaxy fans, I can't tell. But Chris Pratt, you know, he, you know, he got his start doing like uh, Parks and Recreation. Now he's a big action movie star because he's been in, you know, Jurassic World and all those other movies. But also, Chris Pratt has a relationship with Jesus. He, he, he's, a, he's a believer. In fact, he talks about his testimony in this Vanity Fair interview where he basically tells the story of how he was waiting at a liquor store for some of his friends to buy him some alcohol because he was underage. So he's waiting outside this liquor store. His friends are in there getting him some beer. And this guy comes up to him out of nowhere and goes, hey, man, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just waiting for my friends to get some beer so we can go to a party and meet some girls. And guy's like, oh, well, this may sound weird, but Jesus wants me to invite you to church. So Chris Pratt gets up and goes with this guy to church. And he goes for a couple weeks and his friends finally like find him again. They're like, dude, you totally ditched us. Like what happened? He goes, dude, I found Jesus. Like my life's completely changed. Like I'm, I'm a completely different guy. And, and you know, what's so interesting is, you know, if you follow Chris Pratt, maybe you watched the MTV Movie Awards this past year and he gives this speech, which was really interesting because he actually hints and he actually goes into the victory that Jesus gives us on the cross. I want to show you a couple snippets from that speech. Check this out. God is real, God loves you, God wants the best for you, believe that, I do. If you're strong, be a protector, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. You have a soul. Be careful with it. Doesn't matter what it is, earn it. Learn to pray. It's easy and it's so good for your soul. And finally, nobody is perfect. People are gonna tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood, do not forget it. Right? It's amazing. Even Star-Lord has a Lord, right? Like, here's what kind of blows my mind. This is like the MTV Movie Awards, right? Like, you think about people who, who accept an MTV Movie Award. They're like talking about how great they are, exalting themselves. Maybe they'll kind of give the tip off to God. But Pratt actually gives some pretty, you know, insightful things in, in this speech, in this talk that he gives. And you know what, what, what makes me kind of, kind of blows my mind some more is he actually talks about the blood of Jesus. Now listen, I'm in no place where I can judge the level of, of Chris's faith, but here's what I do know. What he said connected with scripture to me because it says this, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no what? There's no forgiveness. That's grace. We can do nothing to make ourselves right before God. We can do nothing to atone for our own sin. There is nothing we can do. All we can do is accept this free gift that God gives us. That's all we can do. That's the only solution is to say, yes, Jesus, I'll take what you have for me. So I want to go back to that question. Do you have that hope? Do you have a hope that's defeated the power of physical death? You may taste physical death, but it will not own you. A hope that defeats spiritual death. A hope that defeats eternal death. Do you have that hope, that rock-solid hope that Jesus wants to give you? In fact, 
Here's what I'd like to do right now. I would actually like to invite you, if you've never experienced that power of hope in your life, to give you an opportunity to receive that. In fact, I know that for some of you right now, you're sensing something. Like something's starting to kind of burn inside you and you're like, what is this? That's hope. And that hope is being stirred up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what God wants you to do is to say, yes, I've got more for you. I've got hope for you. Hope that's bulletproof and deathproof. And you can access that hope now, today. So in a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I just want to say this. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's not hocus pocus. It's just simply declaring out loud a reality that you're sensing in your own heart. You're declaring that Jesus is the one that you want to give your life to. Because you need to give yourself to Jesus. He was the firstborn among the dead. And we get to follow him from death into life. Jesus passed from death to life. And he was the first, and he invites all of us to embrace that hope and to do the same. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask all of us all across all our campuses, would you just stand up right now? Across all our campuses, go ahead and stand. Because I want to lead you in this prayer. In fact, I think that all of us should pray this prayer out loud because many of you here are believers already, and you need to reaffirm and maybe re-up a little bit that you're giving your life to Jesus. Amen? Amen? The gospel that saves us also maintains us. And we need to invite Jesus to come into the places that maybe he needs to come and transform even more. So just repeat these words after me out loud across all of our campuses. Jesus, I declare that you are my Lord, my Savior, and my own personal avenger. You've avenged me from sin. You've avenged me from death. And you've given me a hope that's rock solid and unbreakable. God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I leave those ways behind. And though I may struggle, I know my victory is in you. I turn to you, Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. With all my heart, all my mind, and all my soul. In your name I pray. Amen.